Today, we're sitting down with Dan Hafner, the founder and CEO of the Mobile Domination app and podcast. He's also the founder and CEO of Mobile Dapper Apps. And today we talk about how companies can quickly, with no code, launch an app for their business and company and learn how to market it through app search optimization, uh, viral marketing, organic marketing, uh, and all the different softwares and tools that are available out there for managing projects when you're trying to launch your mobile app platform. So look forward to today's conversation with Dan Hefner. Dan, nice to meet you. I can't wait to learn more about Dapper Mobile Apps and what you've been doing along your entrepreneurial journey. Take us all the way back. Uh, where did your entrepreneurial roots start and what have you been doing before starting Dapper Mobile Apps? Oh, man. Um, so it started with me, I don't even remember the year, 2016, 17, something like that. So it actually goes back to uh, when I met my wife. Uh, we were kind of all over uh, the place. We were long distance. Um, I mean, she was my girlfriend at the time, but um, she's in the medical field. So I moved to, we met in college and I, I moved to be with her for med school. And then we moved to a different place for residency. And now we've moved to a different place for her fellowship. So we've been everywhere kind of every three years and we're probably going to have to move again next year. Um, so as you can imagine, it got kind of hard to hold down a job uh, being in that type of <laughs> type of life. Um so I've, I've decided I need to do something for myself, right? I had, I kind of had a little bit of a background in IT. I did some help desk stuff for a long time. And um, I really got introduced to the whole entrepreneurial stuff uh, with uh, none other than Mr. Russell Brunson. Uh, somewhere along the line, I saw a tweet. Somebody recommended this book called Expert Secrets. And I was like, huh, I'll check that out. Uh, next thing you know, here I am setting up ClickFunnels accounts and doing random stuff to make money. You know what I mean? So. Yep. Um, and then specifically with what I do inside of, you know, app development and stuff, how that all started was, um, I actually, my wife and I, when we were engaged, um, we were engaged for like two years cause we were moving and there was all kinds of different, you know, logistical things. And I had, <laughs> unfortunately I had gained like 25 pounds while we were engaged. So it was not good. I was like, I got to fit into this tux, you know what I mean? So I was using a, a running and fitness app. Um, I started to notice, I was like, there's some things about this that I really, I wish were better. Or I wish were different. And I just kind of had the idea one day. I was like, I should, I should just make something like this, but I didn't know how to do that. Right. So I had no idea and something just kept bugging me. And I was like, I should really, really do this. Um, so long story short, I figured out how to do it. And I just started a business as that just was like, I'm just going to figure out what to do. And I didn't have any money. I didn't have any know-how on how to make that happen. Um, but I didn't let it stop me. And I just, I just went out and did the damn thing, you know? So, yeah, love it. Well, you know, certainly in today's day and age, you, there's a lot of people working from home that aren't necessarily moving around like you are, yeah. uh, but they're, they're working from home and are trying to find an entrepreneurial passion and profession like you've found. So it's great that you kind of let the niche just kind of find you a little bit. And, uh, then you, di you dive right in. So, Tell me exactly what it is that Dapper Mobile Apps does. Yeah, so we build and market no-code uh, mobile and web apps, right? Okay. Um, so that is really the niche that we that we work in. Um, a lot of people we work with are a little bit on the smaller end. Um, if you're like a solopreneur or maybe have a small team, um, but we've worked with people in the, the fitness space, the coaching space even just, you know, entrepreneurs and startup businesses, right? Um, and we specifically, I, I got attached to the no code piece, like I was saying, because I never went to school to learn how to code, never, I actually tried coding classes for like a day. And I was like, nah, 
not going to do that. Yeah. Um, and, and I found that it was just a, it was a, a much more uh, efficient and faster and cheaper way to do, to accomplish things. Okay. Um, so, you know, I kind of just built that skill and I was like, you no, know, I had people approaching me and uh, when I was doing my, you know, my podcast back in the day, a few years ago, um, and just people were like, Hey, you know, think you could do this, or I have an app idea for this and that and the other thing. And, and that was really kind of, I was just like, well, I could do pretty much any of that. Um, so that's really what it is. And then we got more into the marketing aspect of it. Um, because you know, anybody can build something. It's just like a funnel or like a website, any kind of thing. Like anybody can build something that just, it's not field of dreams. They, they won't come if you build it, you know what I mean? So, um, after a while I realized like I needed to figure out how to teach people how to market the thing and get organic reach and all that kind of stuff. Cause there's so many cool things you can do specifically with apps, um, to do that. So I went and mastered that on my own and then learned how to coach that and teach that as part of a service as well. Um, so it's kind of grown from just being like, I'll build you the thing. And then it grew into like, Hey, we'll build you the thing. And then we'll also like show you how to drive the thing, you know? Okay. All right. I got, I got a very fundamental question just to make sure that we're all geared the same way here. When I hear no code app, what that tells me is as a small business, I can either go pay a tremendous amount of money to some coders who can custom develop an app for me because I don't know how to code. I'm a small business owner. Or I can go get a no code app where I don't have to really know how to code to load my logo in and load in some of the things I want to be able to do. Is that what no code app means? In in essence, yes. Um, okay. Because, I mean, it's not like there's, there's I mean, it's all underlying code that, that it's built on, sure. right? But it's all built um, in a way that if you can point and click and you can copy paste, um, you can you can really do it. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's the easiest thing in the world to figure out. Like when I started, there's all kinds of platforms out there. Like there's there's probably new software every day that's built for this kind of stuff, right? It's just getting more and more and more popular. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also is a lot to figure out because certain ones do certain things. And that's what I found out when I dove down this path. I was trying to build my my running and fitness app. I probably built it in like 30 different platforms because I would go into somewhere and I'd be like, well, this one's a little more complicated, a little more technical, or this one's way too simple. doesn't have everything I need. Um, but yeah, in, in essence, it is, it's something that you can figure out if you have, if you have the time. Right. And that's why I found even inside of this no code space, people like you as a business owner, you might want an app, you might want the product, but you're running your business. You're, you're trying to, to make money and market and figure those things out. So it almost became a done for you type of service. We'll be like, Hey, if, if this is something that you want, but you don't have the 50 grand to shell out for a custom solution, mm-hmm. you know, you can do that for a fraction of the price and we can work with you to do that. Okay. So I, let me, let me kind of get this straight here. I just want to make sure I got it. code. So I understand the no code piece now, but did you develop an app using coding assistance, if you will, that allows small businesses to develop their own apps on top of without coding? Or is your business more of, I want to build an app and you help me find the right software where I can build it without code and, and maybe help me build it on this no code platforms? Um, actually a little bit of both, to be honest. Okay. It, it Mainly it's the first one. We, you know, we have a platform. That you've um, built. Yes, that you can build and launch apps on top of. Right? Okay, so you're a software company Yes. who then moves a little bit into more of the consulting 
and you know assistance in marketing and reach services. Yes, yeah, but but uh, as you mentioned in the second piece, there have been a couple people I've worked with who have just really wanted some kind of different solution than we offer, but they wanted to work with with me for for whatever reason. I don't sure. know if I'm if I'm just a likable guy or what, what you know. <laughs> so I have worked with people in that role of being like, well, you know, if, if you really want that, you know, this product is probably going to be better for you. And then I can even go over there and help them build that. And I've learned new platforms that way and things like that. So that, you know, that's an option, um, not a very common one, but it can be done. Yeah. If I know how to code, is there any reason I would use what you have to offer? Yeah, a hundred percent. So if you guys are familiar with um, a platform called Bubble, have you ever heard of that one? No, no. Okay. It's one of the most common ones. It's like public. I mean, I don't know if it's publicly owned. They've just, they've got a ton of startup funding. They've just got like $20 million they raised and stuff. They have a really cool platform. That's very popular. A lot of people who know how to code are actually transitioning over to that um, really for ease and speed of use. Right. And even with the software that we have, if you are someone who codes, you might get a little bit frustrated that some of it is, that's kind of the drawback to no code stuff. Sometimes it can be a little inflexible. It can be, you know, there, but there are ways that you can add custom functionality on top of the no code that we have. Right. So it's really almost a term we like to call, whoops, sorry, um, low code. Right. So there's actually a mixture of the drag and drop templates, point and click, something I can stand up in a day. But if I know how to code, if I know HTML, if I know JavaScript, if I know those types of languages, I can actually make what I have even cooler because I know how to do ninja stuff with that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, it's, it's easier, it's cheaper, it's faster. Cause I mean, even like something like building a, um, an account management system can actually be really complicated to build inside of a coding platform. Whereas with us, it's like literally built for you. So like that eliminates that hurdle, like point blank. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So talk to me about trade-offs. I uh, validate or invalidate some assumptions here. I assume a trade-off is if you're going with a code app, you have to know coding. That's the trade-off. The trade-off to going with a no-code app is it's going to be restrictive. You can't do everything because the underlying code uh, is going to box you in in some areas uh, that no code doesn't. Is that a fair assessment of the trade-offs? Partly, yeah. Because, I mean, if, you, if you're going to go with a custom solution, it's not that you need to know how because you might just be able to hire someone that knows how, right? But it's going to cost you more money. You can go on places like Fiverr, Upwork, those types of places and hire developers. Um, you know, and we have packages like that where we charge hourly, um, but it's not, it's not cheap, right? That's just part of it. Um, and yes, if you're going to, but if you, if you're, if you are a coder and you know how to build things, you know, using any kind of language, um, you might find, you can build whatever you want. You can, you can make things flexibly, right? And with, you know, more of a no code, uh, platform, you might find some restrictions. You might find, so I'm like, well, you know, I wish this button would be this color or this, you know, I don't, there's this font I want to include in here and I can't really up, it doesn't take an extra fonts or there's this really cool JavaScript feature I want to add, but I can't, right? 
or animations I want to add or things like that, right? Um, so some of that, you know, you might find a little bit restrictive. Um, but again, the trade-off is ease and speed of use, right? Ease and speed of standing something up. Instead of taking six months to a year to get your product out there, you know, the trade-off is being able to do it in a matter of weeks or a month, right? Um, and then you can always improve upon it there. And like I said, you know, there's there's ways that we've we've built that in. So now you can actually put custom functionality. It's like a car engine, right? Like if you bought, um, you know, a, a Toyota or something from the dealership, you can still put a lift kit on that thing. You know, you can still do changes to the um, to the engine, right? Just because it comes stock doesn't mean that you can't add your own things onto it, right? And you said you're not a coding guy, right? So you came into this business that essentially is about coding but with a user interface of no code and you didn't have experience in coding, what are the entrepreneurial skills that you do have that are your superpowers? Cause it's not coding. What are your entrepreneurial superpowers that you brought to your business that have led you to your current level of success? That's a very, very good question. I get that uh, question asked a lot. You know, I'd say, um, Probably my one superpower that I've really learned to lean on has just been this ability to, um, it actually goes back to a job I had when I was working with my wife or we were living in Virginia. Um, I was in a little bit of software development and testing, um, very, very limited, but I learned um, the ITIL methodology. And that was really the ability to take technological solutions, or I'm sorry, business, business problems and translate them into technological solutions right? To say like, hey, we need, we need this tracking program that, that serves this, a, this purpose and solves this problem and tracks this thing for this company, right? And then being able to translate that into a technological solution that's not only automated, but scalable, but also serves a use case. It's not just another thing, right? So that's really my superpowers. I've been able to really go in and look at any business, almost any business, and be like, oh, I see what you're trying to do. Here's Here's how we could actually build you software that would help that, that would solve that problem, right? Like I literally have like, I've looked at so many businesses, I could probably look at anyone and be like, okay, you, if this is what you want to do and this is what you're trying to accomplish, here's how we can solve that for you, right? Um, that's really been my like, my Batman power, you know what I mean? <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about that. You use the word ITIL. Can you break some of that down so that our listeners who aren't familiar with it uh, and don't have your superpower may get some value from hearing what is it and how do you use it? Oh gosh, I was afraid you're going to ask me about that. I should never, you know, I honestly don't remember what ITIL stands for. It's like information technology, something language. I, I honestly don't remember. Okay. I, I, I had to get but, certified but in me it. About with, what you do remember well, of it and yeah. what are the components of it that you do apply with excellence that you might say, Hey, other entrepreneurs probably could value from these aspects of it that I learned. Yeah. So I know parts of it that I remember was that it was all based on um, project management and segregation of duties, right? There always, there was service management cycles, there was service uh, fulfillment cycles, and it all worked together in a way that was very logical, especially for 
for software and business as it was related together, right? Um, one of the cool things that I've that I've learned and that I've you know I learned at that previous job that I was in and, and have implemented in my business a lot. We we work in this what we call sprint methodology, agile methodology, right? If anyone's ever heard of that, I love it. It's really really cool. There's a really cool piece of software out there called Jira that we use, um, which is super easy, super super fun to use. And the, the whole concept of a sprint, right, is we say, hey, you know, in in the next two weeks, here's what we're going to accomplish. And that's the scope of everything. We say, hey, like, here are the the five things we're going to get done because these are critical and this is this is what needs to happen, right? If, if, if anything else gets done, great. But if not, like, we need this stuff to happen. And it's moving it one at a time in priority and making sure that it's that's accomplished before you actually move on to the next thing, right? Um, and it seems, it might it might seem a little uncomfortable and counterintuitive at first, especially if like you can apply this to business stuff. I even apply this inside of my business. I do, um, I call it like my my one thing for the week. You know, maybe, um, I forget who wrote that book, the one thing, you know, like the one thing and then the four, you know, like I have four things every day that I'm trying to achieve. And at the end of the week, it's like, wow, I actually got a lot done. In the moment, I might not feel that productive, um, but I'm actually incrementally moving forward because I strategically thought through what I needed to do, right? So this, this applies to uh, software development, but also into you know, business practices as well. Yeah, uh, the sprints are incredibly effective. Um, yeah. And you're right, <clears throat> like it, that, that language is typically used in programming or, or technology space, right? Where they, you have a software you got to develop and it's a monster project and you break it down into instead of a year project, it's 52 sprints. And what do we need to do this week so we can get to the next week's sprint and so on and so forth. And I found that as a project manager, it's so easy to manage. It's like, let's not worry about anything else. What are we going to get done in the next week? And, yeah. and come back with your deliverable. It's so much easier to manage a project and it doesn't have to just be technology. It could be any large project you take down into bite-sized pieces. And uh, the one thing is one of our, the books we've mentioned probably the most on this podcast. Uh, it's something that uh, that I subscribe to a lot is, you know, what's the one thing I'm going to do today? It's going to help me for the week. It's going to be for the month, the quarter, for the year, for my lifetime, if you will. Uh, Gary Keller is the the author. That's, of that is, yeah. Um, but oh. a fantastic book. Uh, and, and I love the idea of you bring up the sprint, uh, methodology, uh, by the way, Jira, how do you spell Jira, the software? I'm curious. J I R A. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I want to come back maybe to the root of this, you know, you have a knack for looking at a business and saying, here's how this can help you. Let's give this a shot. Let's do a little pilot. <clears throat> so we have a podcast called the entrepreneurs United podcast. We do not have an app. We have a website. Maybe the first question is, what's the difference between a website and an app? We don't really have any products yet. We maybe in the future will have books and t-shirts and whatever. But today we don't don't have any products that we're selling. Our goal is to make an impact on entrepreneurs. Um, I could visualize an app maybe that has a daily, uh, you know, our, our, maybe our podcasts are found there instead of Spotify, or maybe there's articles we put on there. Maybe there's a tip of the day that comes on. And I'm trying to think through that process. But I guess the general question I have, and maybe you can kind of give me some examples for other entrepreneurs to relate to, what's the difference between a website that I can get on my phone and a mobile friendly view versus an app I download off the app store? What's the difference? And when do you know if you need one versus the other? And maybe relate it back to our example. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, there's a lot there. I'll try to work through it. 
Um, so basically to start, um, you know, I, I like to think of it this way. A website is really something that's passive, right? Like you have to go and you have to do SEO, you have to do marketing. And once it's there, you know, you can, you can still drive people to it via email marketing or things like that, but you're, you're driving, it's, it's really a passive thing, right? An app, on the other hand, you can use as an active outreach tool right? There's, there's things called push notifications, right? That we can, that we can send through that device. And even if it's only web-based, if it's what we call a, a PWA, which is a progressive web app, uh, which is actually really, really cool technology. If you've ever heard of that, it's like basically having an app on your phone that functions in, in, inside of a browser, but it looks and it feels like something you would download from the Apple app store, or Google play. Right. Um, there's certain advantages and disadvantages to that. I, I could talk a lot on that, so I, I won't. I won't really dive into that. But you know, when to know the difference um, of like, hey, I, I just have a website and it's mobile friendly and that gets the job done, or hey, man, I really need an app and uh, I think this is why we could use this. Um, you know, a lot of people, if if you're just starting out, if you are kind of in startup mode, or you just kind of have some some resources, um, you know, a website can definitely just be a very good resource for that. You, you can you can really get that done, right? Um, especially if it's mobile friendly. Like you, if it's not mobile friendly, then you just you gotta you gotta fix that, right? Yeah. Um, but you know when you get to a point where you you wanna you wanna start doing more uh, outbound things, or you really have just way too much content that is making your your website slow, maybe. Um, you know, loading time's not fun or people are just, it's so confusing. There's so many different things inside of there. Um, you know, a lot of people will, will migrate to things like Kajabi, um, Teachable, those types of deals. Um, and, you know, if, if you really want to have your own thing, like you guys, you know, I mean, um, I have podcasts, you guys have podcasts. It can be listed anywhere. You can have it on a lot of platforms for traffic, like Spotify, like Apple, like all that stuff, right? And if you really just want to build your own thing, like if you if you just finally like you know what I've actually had clients who've been like kicked off of Facebook that had like groups of like ten thousand people that just like got shut down for whatever reason and they're like dude I need my own software I'm done worrying about that that is a not fun thing to go through yeah. I'm like well you know you could I mean you can do a website you can do an app you can do whatever you need I mean an app is is really kind of the logical conclusion of that because you can do community, you can do content, you can do membership access, you can do all this stuff inside of one place. And it's just tap away. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's right there on your phone. And that's another difference, right? Like how many times you guys just went to my website, you said when you were, you know, before we got on here, are you probably going to go back to my website at any point in time? No, probably not. Right. But if you had a little icon with Dapper Mobile apps on your phone, I mean, you might not visit it every day, but the chances of you getting back there are probably a lot better, right? Yeah, they're a lot better because it's one of X amount of apps on my phone. However, I think the point you're bringing up is the is really the the trigger maybe for me in my mind, which is how often are you going to go to that resource? So for example, there's an app on my phone called Flipboard and it's news. And I go to that probably every day because I want to see what's going on. Uh, there's other apps like LinkedIn. I go on probably every day, see what's going on. But there's some apps on my phone I just never open, but I may have downloaded once because I was in an event and I downloaded the app and I never need to use it again and I'm eventually going to delete it. Yep. So I think the, the the key component is 
engagement with your community? How often does your community want to engage with you? Uh, as an example, in a, in a different space, there's a, a ranking site that uh, a lot of people go to on a daily, weekly, I mean, I guess weekly basis, they'll go to this site. So they're getting tons of hits on their website. But if it was an app, uh, they would have to log in, they'd give permission to be communicated, maybe they'd be push notifications to, to, you know, to me, it's an engagement community question. Is that fair? How engaged yes. community is? Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, sorry, go ahead. So I, was, I want to get to the next step, though. So you, you've helped me understand the difference between a website and app and why you should have one, or may, why you shouldn't, maybe. Um, you talk in your second step about uh, marketing it and the reach, and then you've developed an expertise there. So help me with that for, for a second. So if you do have an app, uh, how do you assist companies with getting the app promoted and getting it, people saying, oh, I want to download this? What, I, I would know... I know how to, you know, we had a guest recently on how to sell products online and you can go do YouTube videos, you can do a whole bunch of different things, but what is the methodology you're working with right now with your clients to promote the apps that they actually do build? Yeah. So there's a bunch of different things you can do just like, like that was saying, you know, you can go YouTube, you can do Facebook ads, you can do whatever you want. Um, but what we really do is what's called ASO. It's called app store optimization. It's like SEO for websites, huh. search engine optimization. Right. And um, there's actually a formula that we follow. and um, it's not my formula, so I won't say it. So I don't want to like copyright people. Um, sure. But it it basically just comes down to you know, outside of your audience that you have, um, it's it's going to be hard. I mean, there's like three thousand new apps launched a day. It's hard to get noticed, just like websites, right? So you have to be able to get the right keywords, the right logo, the right uh, description, and and almost sixty to seventy percent of organic traffic will come through the app store like it actually is a very undertapped market there's half a i think there's a half a billion users like per year wow something like that like it's it's crazy high right um and it can literally change uh, you can blow up a leads list overnight like we had one client that we did all this you know launch and marketing and organic stuff for once we got all that done um i mean a lot of it was on her end where she was going and, and getting promoted and doing that stuff uh, but she literally built her list from zero to like almost 5,000 in like three weeks. Um, you know, I mean, it was just, it was really, really effective and really cool. Um, and that wasn't even like a huge, huge success. There's, you know, there's apps like Angry Birds and that kind of stuff, which we don't do that can just go viral, like in an instant, you know what I mean? Um, but that's really what we do is we kind of, and we can even work with people who have existing apps to like, you know, the screenshots that you have sometimes will tell Sometimes like when you said like Flipboard, like if, if Flipboard had like a terrible looking presence on the app store, you probably wouldn't download it. Mm -hmm. Be like, oh, this is like a virus app, you know, like I, I don't want that. You know what I mean? So it's it's about creating a professional, clean, um, inviting uh, presence to actually get someone to download your stuff. Right. Um, and that's really that's really what we do. And then it's just a, it's it's almost like SEO. It's like a longer term play. And finding the keywords that you can rank in the top four, you know, measuring that performance. We have, you know, all that analytics and all that stuff that we can plug you into that can show like, hey, for this keyword, I really want to rank in the top 25 and just trying to get that there over time. You had said after building it, you had some of your clients come back and ask you about how to market it. And you had used the term organic reach. Can you tell us more about organic reach and provide some of our listeners some value on something they may be able to do in the short term? 
Um, yeah, I mean, it kind of goes back to the the last answer I was saying was, you know, really, that is really kind of what I talk about inside of organic reach is that, you know, that ASO type of thing. Um, but I also don't discount social media, you know, like TikTok is an incredible engine to, to be on these days. Um, you know, influencer marketing is still not a dead thing. We have we have success with that with people. Um, and Apple actually gives you some really cool ways that you can do that. They can you can do what's called like an affiliate. Um, oh, what's it called? An, like affiliate referral link or something like that. And you can actually track, you know, who is if you can send that out to 10 people or 10 influencers or whatever. And you can actually track who's driving the most downloads of that. So you can actually see, you know, who's giving you the most uh, downloads, users, all that kind of stuff. Um, there's a bunch of offline things you can do, like even like QR codes, um, you know, putting uh, actually, you know, the the download on the app store and get on Google Play on your on your social media handles on your website, those types of things with actual links to the app stores. Um, just because it's another, it's just a billboard. It's just another way to drive traffic to that. Um, so again, there's there's a bunch of of different ideas. I've I've seen people come up with even ideas that I never would have thought of to 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 market things. You know what I mean? It's just that people have so much creativity. I want to touch on that influencer marketing piece because we, you know, again, I'm referencing a prior conversation we had with another guest about this whole affiliate marketing revenues that people are making a lot of money on. Uh, is that how influencers are approached? Which is basically, hey, I have this new baseball cap. Uh, wear this baseball cap and promote it on your TikTok. And anybody who buys a baseball cap, I'll shoot you back five bucks. And they then go do it. Is that how that is? And is there, a, is there a portal or a site to connect with influencers to give them your affiliate marketing link and promote the product? Yeah, one I actually use is called IntelliFluence. Um, I've used that for a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, and again, I'm not, I'm not the guy to talk to when it comes to affiliate stuff. I've never, I've never, I tried it before and I failed. I never was very good at it. Um, but I know how to get in touch with people. You know what I mean? Um, I just was never good at, you know, the, the, the connection and, and, and doing that. Sure. Um, but you know, you can do it different ways. Like we've done deals where, or I've helped people figure out deals where it's like, like, just like you said, like, Hey, we got this thing. Um, you know, for everyone you promote, we'll, we'll throw in whatever, you know, it's almost like a commission based thing, yeah. or there can just be like, Hey, we're going to give you, you know, 500 bucks to, to do this and post this and that and the other thing. And there's even people you can find on things like Fiverr, um, that will promote things on heavily trafficked websites, um, for really cheap. Like I always recommend that as a good tool. Like you can, there was a package I think we found one time where you could for like 10 bucks and they would feature it as like the, the product of the day. Um, there's a really cool site out there. I know we use uh, sometimes called product hunt. If you've ever heard of that one. That's a really cool one. Um, cause that can lead to a lot of traffic and a lot of, a lot of cool stuff. Um, so there's, and there's a whole bunch of different, um, startup directories out there that you can get pushed out to inside of email lists and all that kind of stuff too. And some, some are free, some are paid, some are monthly, some are one-time fees. Um, so that's just, if you want to go that route and then you can afford it, then that's definitely a good idea. Yeah, what a great idea. I mean, that's that's a <clears throat> I'm just thinking through like uh I do stuff for example in the sports industry. Well, what a fantastic idea to get a professional athlete you may not even know uh who has a follower, you know, a million followers or whatever to say, "Hey, just put a post here and promote my 
hockey puck and uh, you know, they go do it. And next thing you know, you got a thousand people on your website for, you know, commission basis. I mean, I'm not sure if that actually happens exactly like that, but it sounds like on Fiverr, for example, you can find people that have like, you know, millions of followers that are willing to do anything for a commission. Right. Uh, so what an interesting way to do things on a commission basis, low cost, low budget. I uh, love that. So a little off topic. What, what is the most successful app you've uh, participated in helping develop? Uh, we have one that we just launched that I really think is going to be the most successful, but it's not yet. Okay. Um, but the, the most successful to date is probably the one I mentioned earlier. Um, it's called Feel for Your Life. Um, so done by a lady named Jessica. Um, she's awesome. According to her, she did the research on this. She was the first breast cancer survivor to ever develop an app like this. Oh, wow. So really what it is, it's all information and resources and reminders and all this stuff around self exams, right? Cause she found her cancer through a self exam. Um, and she's gone on to, she's like working on, um, legislation to make it like more, you know, like salient and more affordable like for this kind of stuff like it's really really cool um that's been our most successful one to date that was that she was actually my very very first client believe it or <laughs> not um and i always like to promote awesome. her because she's such a good person just um down to her core truly as well and what she has going on with that is is awesome awesome and that's feel for your life yeah Okay. Awesome. And you got to tell me what the one is you guys just recently developed. You think is going to get there, uh, in terms of your most successful one. What is it? Um, so I don't know if I'm at Liberty to release that. Okay. Yeah. I, it's still an MVP. Um, it's, it's basically a, it's a marketplace. It's not even a, it's not even a mobile app yet. Okay. Um, we're, we're at, that's on the roadmap at some point. Um, I'll give, I'll just, I'll tell you this it's on, uh, it's in the challenge space, the online challenge space. If you've heard of, you know, all these different mm -hmm. people doing challenges on Facebook and things like that. Yep. Um, it's basically a marketplace that's going to be all things related to that. Okay. Um, so it's, people are going to be able to host challenges to be able to go live inside of there and, and sell. And it's just going to solve so many cool problems. Um, yeah, we're going we got like a TV show in the works for this and all the, all this TV app and like Roku apps and all this cool stuff with it too. So nice. Um, but we just launched it like a couple of weeks ago. So okay. it's still very, awesome. very MVP. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll stay tuned for it. And if people want to learn more, get assistance with you with their ideas of an app or how to promote it, uh, where do they find you? And tell us a little bit more about your podcast real quick. Yeah. So um, probably the best place is um, either my website at dappermobileapps.com. Um, or uh, there's an app that I have that I created for Dapper Mobile Apps. It's called Mobile Domination. Um, you can download that on the App Store, Google Play, and that has basically everything that you talked about. It has the podcast on there. It has our it has on-demand content on there. I go live inside of there. I do live streams, um, which is kind of cool. We we talk. We we I actually kind of skipped over. I forgot about you know your you guys' uh, uh, podcast app, right? Um, there's content we have in there, paid, free. Um, we have our mastermind access in there, like all kinds of, all kinds of really cool stuff. Um, and about the podcast, it's called mobile domination. I actually just changed the name of the podcast recently. Um, it was originally called run your day. Okay. Um, it started as a, as a compliment to the, the running and fitness app I had before. And I had like over 300 episodes, kind of put it down for a while. Cause I kind of just got tired of doing it. And I was like, you know, I, I really like podcasting. I really want to get back into it. And I, I just, I wanted to rebrand it to, to, to fit what I was doing now. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that I've just kind of restarted up over the past couple of months with the mobile domination brand of it. So, um, and it's all about things like this, about we have, we're going to have clients on there. We had, um, you, you mentioned LinkedIn, yep. um, before I talked with someone who talks about all these tips for your LinkedIn profile and all these different hacks and all kinds of cool stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, Dan, thanks for coming on with us today. Enjoyed the content and uh, continue to build your company, man. I'm excited to see where this goes and I can't wait to see this new challenge app. I'll stay tuned with you on that one. Catch yeah, you on absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Dan. So much fun. Please stick around for a few more minutes while Rich and I break down this episode. Rich, do you have any uh, sense or idea what percentage right now in generally in the United States, people are accessing websites from a mobile phone versus a computer 87 and three quarters percent yeah not quite it's more like 69.38 percent but <laughs> it's i think it's somewhere in the high 60s basically yeah but it is amazing that um there are many many people today especially with the ipads and and with the surface uh, notebooks that have come out you consider that mobile devices now as well that a lot of people just aren't even using computers anymore unless there's a specific need for them to have spreadsheet work or, uh, you know, specific software. Uh, it's just amazing. You can really do anything on it. And so, you know, when you start hearing about mobile app technologies that are coming out or people are focusing in on it or online e-com sales uh, through a mobile app, it really is still in the first inning of this thing because I, I really see a future where everything is done on your mobile app, not on this big laptop computer that we use. So uh, I, I really think Dan's on the right space uh, and focusing. And I think where he's focusing on too is where people look, I don't have a ton of money. I don't have coding experience. I just want an app to interact with my community. It's a really interesting space. I think it has a ton of growth potential. You know, I don't know who came up with it, but it's practically a mantra that somebody would say, there's an app for that. Yeah. There's an app for that. Yep. And, uh, you know, the way that he breaks things down, I enjoyed hearing his blend of, he said, project management and segregation of duties. And within that, he's talking to companies about some of the automations available and some of the ease on the back end that apps provide. Honestly, never considered it before. I'm curious, John, on the sprint methodology, and you had experience with that, it sounded like. Uh, and I may have some too. I don't know if we're calling it the same thing, but I'd love to know from your end, what's the difference between sprint methodology and agile that you've learned, uh, the agile methodology versus creating what we would call a critical path? I, I think that agile is you kind of divide out, hey, look, you're doing the customer interface, you're doing the back end interface, you're doing the finance interface. Uh, we got three months to get the project done. Go. And that team goes, that team goes, that team goes. Everybody comes back at three months, goes, okay, I'm done. And they put it together. Sprint is more of, okay, what are you doing on the front end this week that you can show me works this week? What are you doing on the back end that you can show me this week works? What are you doing in finance? You can show me this week works. At the end of the week, everybody comes in, they show their product, it passes, fails. Okay, now what are you doing in the next week? Let's go. So Agile is more longer term, Sprint is more Sprint. What you're talking about in terms of the critical path is more of, um, I see more of a document, like, okay, here's what we need to do. By the end of this, it needs to be here. So every week we need to have these things done is more of like uh, maybe a, a documented roadmap. 
Whereas agile or sprint is more the methodology to which how you manage the project as a project manager. Are you doing sprints with different scrums of groups that are kind of getting things done? Oh, by the way, this week, the front end and the back end, you guys need to get together because by the end of this week, these two things need to be able to work together. Okay, go. Uh, you know, so it's more of the project management methodology, I believe. So where a critical path is, you know, what's the date and deliverable uh, for that particular driver, the way you're describing it is basically like double clicking on that and looking at all of the micro steps and who's responsible for it. So the use of the sprint methodology, and I know people in our company who have used JIRA, it's really about coordinating multiple people's efforts to accomplish something on a critical path, as I'm understanding it. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly it. And, and to me, it's more of how are you managing it, right? Are you taking the macro management, which is, look, next three months, get this thing done. This is your job. Or are you going to Rich and go, hey, Rich, by the end of next week, I need you to have these two components done. Can you do it? Yes. Okay, perfect. Bring it back and show it to me. Because what they what they found happened is, <clears throat> as you know, just reliability and human nature, you send these three groups off and say, in three months, come back. Well, they come back and it doesn't talk to each other. They didn't get it done exactly. We were expecting it. Whereas the sprint, you have continuous weekly. Okay. That worked next. That worked next. The other thing too, and this, this would drive you absolutely bananas <clears throat> is in a sprint uh, methodology. I, I, and again, I'm not an expert in sprint. So this is just from my knowledge and the way I experienced it. You can launch a product before it's fully built. Because every sprint augments the product, augments the product, but you're live, you're working uh, in the product that's live versus waiting a year for it fully to be working with every single feature and bell and whistle you were looking to do. You can actually launch a product through sprints a lot faster. And then, yeah, this is version one, version two is coming out in three weeks. And then you kind of relaunch, 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 relaunch until you've built all the features and functionality you actually hope for. So that's the way I'm surprised to hear that I'm facilitating a a core group of people using what we would call the sprint methodology. And there are some minor variances to it. But it is uh, what you'll be surprised to hear is it's exactly that, that we'll call it wayfinding. And we'll have something that's of value, but it's not complete, but it's of enough value to put out there to get a response to, to understand where we need to go next. And it sounds like that's exactly what Dan brings to companies. And he closes that gap by inserting an app to be able to do that in an automated way. Yeah, absolutely. I remember you and I sitting down at a bar, I'm sure, uh, years ago, years ago, years ago. And one of the questions in conversation, and we always had very interesting conversations, was, what are the top three mobile apps on your phone that mm. you don't think I have on my phone? Yes. And uh, that you use all the time. Do you remember that conversation? I mean, it was yes. a long time ago. I can't remember what our answers were. I remember I ended up downloading one or two of the your top three. Uh, that's awesome. I'd love to press pause right now and come back with the top three. All right. We literally hit pause and we each wrote down uh, a few apps. So we're going to share that with each other live and share that consequently with you. Uh, I actually wrote down four, John. So I'm going to start and end then. Okay. Uh, I got four too. Yeah. Oh, do you good. I so did. then I'll start. You, <laughs> Just in case you had one that I had that I wanted to change. Perfect. I'm assuming this is not unique, but I got to say one of the apps I find really useful is having OneDrive 
on my phone, on my computer, on my tablet, and my files, I can access absolutely anywhere. And on my Apple devices, I can go in and edit them and even not just view them. I find that incredibly useful. Yeah, OneDrive, Dropbox, Google Drive, Box, I think there's one called. Uh, maybe there's a few others. Oh my gosh. Like your entire you know, do- set of documents right there. I mean, the amount of times, Rich, I'm even in a meeting and someone says, Oh, I'm, you know, remember that document we had from the, like in two seconds, I have it up on my phone. I'm like, yeah. Oh, this one, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, that searchability to find those documents and access them in a secure manner on your phone. Unbelievable. So, uh, I love that. It's not one of mine, uh, but I do have a similar, similar ones. Um, I'm going to start with the cash app. Do you have that one? I don't. So I recently recommended it to some family members as well. I've been using the Cash App for a couple of years now to pay uh, housekeepers. Uh, I got to send somebody 20 bucks for the pizza party, uh, whatever. It's similar if to- we made event. a bet and you lost, for example, you'd send me money there. I sent it to your Cash App and then you, you can go download. So I've been using it for a couple of years. At the time, it's just an easy way for me to send people some money. Obviously, PayPal's became antiquated a little bit. There's Venmo, which everybody knows about. But the reason why I like Cash App is for a couple of reasons. One is Cash App has been fully integrated now with a couple of uh, blockchain technologies where you can actually buy Bitcoin or buy other things through that Cash App. But more importantly than that is a lot of cash registers now, uh, the new POS systems that are coming out, all have cash app access so you can actually pay with your cash app at retail stores using actually fiat currency and or cryptocurrency uh, and it will translate it from your cryptocurrency as, as an example into us currency into the cash register within seconds almost just as quick as your apple pay would do it uh, so it's a really cool tool that i've actually recommended a few people who recently who are wondering how to transfer money uh, between people and and uh, it's it's one that i think is going to grow in popularity Hmm. Cool. Never heard of it. Uh, I got one that's probably boring to you, but I find it useful is I have a Nighthawk uh, router in my home. Okay. And I have an app for the router that I can log in to restart the Nighthawk or check the security settings or even update the router to make sure it has uh, the most uh, recent firmware on it, that type of thing. Awesome. Yeah. Those, the ability to, manage your home and things in your home via an app i don't fully have yet do you like temperature garage oh, door I'll say we have an ecobee uh is the name of the thermostat thing we have that we could log in to the ecobee this isn't one of my four you can't count it as one of my four uh the ecobee is another app that we have that we could log in when we're out of state and go oh i forgot to turn down the temperature and we could lower the temperature yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, it has sensors in it. It's not that expensive either. It has sensors in every room and you could turn the sensors on and off based on what rooms you want to have it average for the temperature of the home and then change the temperature of the home. And how, I mean, all of those settings are all on the app. Okay. Timeout. I think we need to get Dan back on the stream because I, what I'm talking about is don't you think by now there would be an app 
that you could just go on and it would connect to the Nighthawk. It would connect to the EcoBeam. It would connect to whatever other devices in your home to connect to so that you have one app that controls everything in your home. Don't you think that should be out there? An aggregator of all the different home related services? Sounds like a million dollar business idea we should talk to Dan about. Okay, let's not post this one, okay? <laughs> um, next one uh, that I'll throw, Greenlight. Have you ever heard of Greenlight? No. Okay. So Greenlight, uh, again, recommended to a bunch of people recently. Uh, we should put a link in the description below so I can get my credit uh, for referring people out on these things. I should, should have thought about that based on our conversation with Tom. But uh, Greenlight is a, a youth credit card system that my kids both have Greenlight cards. I can easily load money onto their cards. Every time they purchase something, I see what it is. And I can actually put restrictions on it, like X amount of monies for food, X amount of monies for this, X amount of money for that. But it's an easy way that gave me confidence for them to carry around a credit card. Like literally when I go to my kids' convenience store, they say, I want to get a Gatorade. They get out of the car, they go buy their own Gatorade. I know they're buying a Gatorade and I get, I don't have to go in with them, pay for them. So it gives them a little sense of independence, but then also they can manage it. And when they start making some money, I'm going to actually put their money in Greenlight and they'll be able to put some into the savings account right there in their Greenlight app versus using a traditional banking system. They'll be able to do so many other cool things and they're teaching them how to invest with their with their savings, you know, things like that in the Greenlight app. So something that I, I've come to love. You're using the term credit card. It sounds more like a yeah. uh, preloaded debit card per yeah. se, because they're not actually getting credit scoring on it, right? That's, that's right. But it has MasterCard or Visa capabilities. Yeah. Got it. I do something very similar, but I use Capital One as my bank. Yep. And I can, uh, on an app, transfer money to kids' accounts, have it automatically pay them an allowance, split yep. it between multiple accounts. Yeah. Very similar. Yep. Uh, that's a, just a different app I have a similar functionality with. Yeah. Uh, all right. Here's kind of a fun one. You ever heard of crumble cookie? No. You may want to look up crumble cookie. Okay. I have a crumble cookie app. My kids love crumble cookie. They're <laughs> really good, kind of expensive, and they change what cookies they make every week. So you could get on the app, see what the cookies are. And uh, as a matter of fact, our 19-year-old who's in the Navy just ordered crumble cookie on her app for our 19 year old is Kaylin and ordered it for Katie who's 15 and Paige who's eight ordered crumble cookie from Biloxi Mississippi to our home yesterday no it was two days ago which was the first day of summer for our kids so she got on an app ordered crumble cookie for them with a little note that said happy first day of summer and sent it over and she was able to get what the local cookies were in Iowa that's so Crumble cookie comes from local delivery services. Uh, yes, we're in the country. So it's C R U M B L. Okay. And you go on the app, look at what cookies they have. You can order a four pack. You can order ice cream, stuff like that. And then I think they use Grubhub or something like that. You don't have to organize any of it. Crumble yeah. organizes mm -hmm. all of it in the background. And it's just a nice treat for a graduation, for a birthday, for a nice surprise, like what Kaylin did for her sisters. Love it. All right. Next one. I got a fun one for you and family. Mixed tiles. Hmm. Tell me uh, about it. And, and I'm, now I'm, I'm reaching to ones that I don't think you have or that you'd be interested in versus ones that I use most often. But uh, my last one here will be mixed tiles. Mixed tiles is... Is it M-I-X or, or mixed? M-I-X. M-I-X. Okay. 
And so what it does, you can actually take pictures from your phone into mixed tiles and create these little tiles, like little mm -hmm. square tiles with adhesive on the back. And within minutes, you can order like five prints uh, and it will ship to your door. These little tiles, you can actually just stick to the wall. So you could be right there behind your little H symbol. And one real cool thing about it that we did here that I thought was pretty unique is when we have visitors come over, we actually find pictures of us with them from the past and we put them next to the guest bedroom and they come oh, in. And that's cool. You could do things like that, or you can totally, you know, create walls of family history and pictures on these mixed tiles, which I thought was kind of unique and cool. Very cool. Uh, last one I'll give you today is a, it's a highly functional one. I absolutely love it. It's called Turbo Scan. Do you hmm. use that? I don't. So TurboScan is similar to your regular phone scanner. If you want to not run it through a scanner, a document, you want to scan the document, which is great. Every scanner app you can get does it. I, I may not have researched every scanner app out there, but this is the only scanner app that I know of that I can take a picture of a flip chart and it will uh take something it, on a projector it's called keystone settings where the top is wider than the bottom or if it's slightly okay. askew and it will automatically straighten it up to be perfect That's so awesome. with TurboScan, we take pictures of flip charts and it will end up being able to then email in a pdf it is the most clean functional app to take pictures of flip charts and notes uh, in a meeting. Yeah, and you also think about dry erase boards probably works on that as well. <laughs> Just yeah. kind of straighten it yeah. out. Um, that, that, okay, you, you got me. There's, there's the one app I'm definitely going to download because I, I definitely could use. I usually just take pictures of things, but everything's skewed. It, and... might, it might cost you four or five bucks. I'm telling you, it's worth it. Awesome. Send me a referral link for that one. Maybe you get credit. <laughs> nice. Uh, awesome. Well, listen, there's no doubt mobile apps aren't going away. And maybe we should redo this exercise in another five years because we came up with ones we absolutely don't have <laughs> the other has. And, and you could probably learn a lot from sharing those with friends and family in terms of what people use because there's so much technology out there. It's unbelievable. And have companies like Dan has here with Dapper App Mobile, you know, to help you get these apps going and developed and launched and marketed is such a huge value add.